Welcome to Horror Hideout. I'm Peyton. And I'm Kenzie. Woo! We're back with another one. Another one of the top tens. Another one bites the dust. That's, That's right. That's that reminded me of. I really like your Pop Funko collection. We've got Sam. We got... Sam's up there? Candyman. Wait, did you put Sam up there? No. Oh, Everett wouldn't let me take him out of his room. I'm just kidding. I put him up there. Oh my gosh. So we got Sam from Trick or Treat. We got Candyman from Candyman. We got Pennywise. We got Stephen King. We got uh, Chucky. got Jordan Peele. We got Odell Beckham Jr. And then of course... Abram. Abram. From us. From us. I love how Odell is still up there. Me and Maddie were podcasting last week and... She's like, why is that guy all, all, like, all by himself over on the other shelf? I'm like, that's a football player, Maddie. She's like, oh. <laughs> you, I, you know, I'm grateful that I have the OBJ one, um, but I feel like it's kind of inaccurate because he's wearing a red jersey and the Giants only wore a red jersey once uh, that I'm aware of in the time I've ever been a fan with them during a live game. Otherwise, the red jerseys are like kind of like practice jerseys. And so it's just it's weird. It's a fake. just weird they didn't choose a blue one. So that's my non-horror commentary right there, but uh, a little salty about it, but come well, on. I used to have them on. So we are very bougie and we record in our closet just because like the acoustics are better in here. We also have like $300,000 of clothes in here. That's why we're so bougie. Everything's oh just, my gosh, I wish. everything's straight up. What's the, designer, what's, well, what's Calvin Klein? Just, is Calvin Klein designer? What's the big brand everyone likes? It's bougie. Gucci, um, Gucci, Prada. We're bougie and Gucci, everyone. Whatever. No, we are totally not. But I used to have my collection on a different shelf, but it was just like out of the way, and you couldn't see it unless like I was looking over there. So I'm like, I'm gonna put it up here. I need a podcast room. We need to get our podcast room done. Our podcast room. Gotta get a fence first. But anyway, any horror news of the week? Horror news of the week. We need like a little jingle. You're embarrassing me. Oh my gosh, you're so rude. Shut up. I have to sing at least like once every episode. Well, I'm just shaking in my boots. What's the news? Um, I'm trying to think of what the news we have. The news. Last night, so today we are recording on a Saturday. This comes out Tuesday. So by the time that comes out, last weekend, Goodnight Mommy, the American remake came out. And I don't know how I feel about it. Like, we had just barely watched Goodnight Mommy, like, a few weeks ago, and I we really liked it. So I just, it's kind of like, I don't know, since we just barely saw it, it feels too soon to have a remake, but then for everybody else, I mean, I think this, the original came out in, like, what, 2014 or something? Yeah. Is the remake a American adaptation, or is it Yeah, it's uh... American. Oh, okay. It's, like, straight up, like, the same exact movie if you watch the trailer, but it has Naomi Watts in it. And I think she would do amazing in that role. There's a lot of stuff, though. For example, Quarantine, the zombie movie, kind of found footage, is an American adaptation of Rec. And Rec has like three or four movies, and it's all in Spanish, I think. So like a lot of movies that we grow to love, or at least that we think are kind of like the originals, are actually remakes. But I think the thing I'm like... Avatar? Remake of Pocahontas. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Is it? Yeah, of course. It's the same story. Guy falls in love with natives, turns into a native. He sees all the colors in the wind. Oh my gosh. I I think the thing is, is that we just barely watched the movie. And so it just seems too soon to watch the movie again, but American, you know? And I, oh, I don't know. Foreign films are so good. Like every time. 
we have Don't Worry Darling coming out next Friday, which by the time this episode comes out, we have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three days, three more days. I am so excited for this movie. I love the titles of these movies. It's like, good night, mommy. Don't worry, darling. Let's go hunting, daddy. (laughs) Can't wait for that one. But the thing is, so I was so excited for Nope to come out and the black phone. Those were like my two for the year that I was the most excited for. And then those came and went. And then Orphan vs. Kill I was excited for. And then after that, I'm like, what do I have to be excited for? Like, I have a bunch that I want to see, but I'm not like overly anxious. And we saw this trailer when we went to the black phone, I think. I think it was the black phone or it might have been Jurassic um, World. Like, I remember seeing it and I'm like, oh, that looks good. But I wasn't like, oh my gosh. But now seeing the trailers so many times, I'm like, this is our kind of movie. And I love Florence Pugh. So I'm so excited. So that is like the one I'm the most anxious for. I'm anxious for Barbarian, even though it already came out. We need to go see it. I think that's all that's coming out in the next, like, like during this episode time frame. So. And we got a pretty good list to work with on this letterbox recap. A lot of movies that people probably don't know too much. There's a couple popular ones, but really everything else is kind of uh, B-list movies, which I feel like you and I watch the most and most people don't really think about watching or, you know, they just skim past it on Netflix or Hulu. And it's just cool that we keep finding these little, you know, hidden treasures or sometimes they're busts, you know, but. This list is probably one of the best lists that we've had, like where everything is good except the very last one on the list was awful, which makes me sad because my friend on TikTok totally suggested it to me. And like, there's another one on this list that she suggested and we loved, but then the other one, I'm like, I don't know. A lot of movies that we watch kind of start out at like, you know, we, we rate things between one and five. And I'm usually about a three to four. And then I kind of get to a point where I'm like, oh, I'm a five. Like, this is really good. And then it just progressively gets worse and worse and worse. And sometimes by the end of the movie, I'm like a two. And uh, I just like am a little over optimistic sometimes in these movies. But there's just so many hidden gems out there. I feel like I've been being very generous with my stars lately and my ratings. Like, I don't know why. Maybe it's just we've been watching a lot of good stuff. But I feel like I keep giving fours out, four out of five every movie that we've watched besides the flop one at the end but I feel like I've given at least this list I think most of these I've given a four or a five and that doesn't happen all the time usually I am like a three three and a half and then the occasional like yes this was good but yeah let's just jump right in do you want to start us out yeah heads up Mormons this is not what you think it is but the sacrament is the first one all right not that thing that you tune in to watch on Sunday you know pandemic people that you watch on sunday you mean that you take the sacrament well yeah but people like they like they watch, watch they oh, I don't yeah, know. they watch sacrament sorry yeah my mind i was like thinking of like the actual sacrament that people take not like the actual you could watch it sacrament. there in person too if you really wanted to but anyway uh basically this uh group of i mean are they they're like journalists i guess i wouldn't really say they're Seems like they're like film interviewers, like they're film, like a film. Yeah, they're like they're like journal journalists. Like mm-hmm. they they kind of have like a uh, like a big lead on something. And one of the uh, photographer or video guy's sister went to this place called Eden Parish, and it's kind of like it's got cult written all over it. But you know how it is. Like the cults are very over ambitious about everything. There's overwhelming amounts of love and 
everybody's just too dang freaking happy all the time. And uh, they go and they meet, um, they meet up at this, this Eden parish. And it's, you know, it's got like, immediately when they get there, there's just like guards everywhere and people with guns and they, they're, they're immediately threatened. And then all of a sudden the people come out and they're like, oh no, they're just out here to protect us because the local government doesn't really trust us. Um, so they get in and then it's like this like gated community. It's like a big open field with like forest kind of surrounding it and everybody's just doing their thing. There's uh, all the farmers are there and you know, there's local nurse and, uh, just like everybody has a certain role going on. And these are all people who gave up their life basically to come in and find this new world of peace. And I don't know, I'm trying I'm having a hard time explaining this. So the, obviously anybody who, who is an outsider is a little reluctant to trust, you know, what's going on in the, in the system. And they, they decide that, you know, it, it's rare for outsiders to come in and do like an interview and share the information to the outside world. So, uh, there's kind of a two plot setting going on here where the guy wants to get his sister kind of out of there. So he's trying to talk her out of it. And then, uh, the people, the other camera guys want to, you know, get an interview with the head honcho guy and kind of, you know, share what's going on with, with the world as well. So, and the guy, you know, he's a little, he kind of reminds me of a, like an archeologist, like explorer kind of guy when he comes out, you know, he's, he's lived a full life and, um, he's kind of, they're kind of antagonizing each other, the interviewer and him. And, but basically it, it just progressively gets darker, just like any of these kind of cult movies as it goes on. And there's kind of like this big lack of trust between them. And I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that, but it's kind of got a cool little ending to it. And it's a little intense at the end. It really is. I'd say this is a slow burn movie too. Oh, very. Um, I mean, everything kind of happens really at the end, uh, but it kind of leaves you on edge as you're you're going up to it. But this one exceeded my expectations. It's kind of different from like your traditional cult movies too, where they're like praising or worshiping like an idol or a god or something. It's like they're worshiping this guy who kind of started the commune. It's almost like every time he comes out, he's like a celebrity. They're all just like cheering and clapping and he's like waving and hugging people. And I don't know, he just gives like the creepiest vibe. Uh, me and Peyton love cult movies. I don't know why. Like they're just so creepy and cults like, are very creepy, claustrophobic and just like being trapped somewhere and you can't escape. Super unsettling. Well, in, um, uh, in a lot of cases, the cultists are also very involved. There's a couple cases where, you know, they're out of the public eye and a couple of the cultists are like, you've got to get us out of here. Like, we don't want to be here. And so that's when the unsettling stuff starts. And uh, it's really good. And I, I don't know what country they're in. They're definitely not in the United States. They're like in a South American country or something like that. Maybe a European country. I want to say South South American, but yeah, I don't remember. The ending of this is very heavy, though. Like, some of the... I don't want to, like, spoil anything. Like, we decided during our letterbox recaps we're not going to spoil anything just because we want to recommend movies, especially movies that we've recently watched that we really liked. So, we just want you to watch them. But it is very heavy, and obviously there's some deaths that happen on here, and they are very intense and realistic. The one thing about this is I wish that we got a little bit more of the cult and like the storyline behind that because I feel like we got kind of a little bit and then everything just kind of went to crap and like climax, intense, but I wish we kind of got a little bit more of like the background of how this started and everything like that, but this one was really good. 
it's probably based on some real life events too. I would think that like the Jonestown cult or whatever. Oh, it is. was based off that. Yeah, because there, there's there's some stuff that happens in real life that that's very inspired in this movie too. Jonestown Massacre. Yeah, I want to say it's probably based on something like that. I just Googled where this is taking place, and I don't know if it's filmed here or if it's supposed to be here, but it just says St. Uh, Tamani, Louisiana, Eden Isle. So I don't know if um, if the Eden Parish is inspired by the name Eden Isle, Louisiana, but it, it really seemed like it was in a different country, or at least it was intended to be in the movie, so... Well, they had to, like, fly into it, too. I don't know if it was on some kind of island, because they literally had to fly in by helicopter. Well, and, like, everybody, and I don't know, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm saying it how it is, but in the movie, there is no racism. Everybody's kind of, it's all about the, you know, commune, but the, it seemed like everybody that was a guard was African-American, and the majority of the people inside the commune were, uh, were white. There were, there were African-Americans, too. Um, and very notable ones as well, like important characters. But I think like mercenaries that were hired to be like guards and stuff for, you know, this community likely came from, you know, outside in, in, the, in the regular world. So I don't know, Louisiana, obviously a very, uh, I don't know, it's very like African-American in culture, I guess. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm having a hard time saying this, but I'm just, I'm really, really trying to sell myself that this movie isn't taking place in America yeah. and in some other country and it's no, driving it totally me nuts. No, makes sense. <laughs> I know some of these are hard to like describe without like giving spoilers or anything like that, but definitely this one, go watch it. Um, This one's on Tubi. We usually say, like we don't really, we decided not to say where everything's from because if somebody listens to this episode like a year from now might not be on Tubi who knows I feel like I recommend stuff to people and I'm like oh it's on this and then they take it off I'm like really so everything we talk about will be on our Instagram so go check there okay next up is searching and this one came out in 2015 so it's been on my list for a long time and I think back when it did come out because I wasn't super interested in seeing this So I was listening to like one of those spoiler videos on YouTube, like the, what are they called, where it's like ending explained or something. But then I think so much time has gone by that I didn't remember anything. But this movie is about David Kim and his 16-year-old daughter. She goes missing. So they start up an investigation and this detective is assigned to the case. But then 37 hours later and there's no leads, the dad decides to search the one place that no one has looked yet where all secrets are kept, his daughter's laptop. This, the filming style on this was so unique and so cool. It's not like your typical found footage with cameras. It's like everything takes place on the computer. Like you're literally looking at the screen of their computer or their cell phone. Everything is like that or like news reporters on the TV. So many different apps, so many different softwares and programs that are used that he can use to maybe try and get leads. And, you know, just when you think that it could potentially get kind of cliche and overused, there's just always something, something different, you know. Major props to them to be able to carry on a whole movie too in this format because I don't know, that would be so hard. And it was a little hard in the beginning to kind of get used to because you're reading like text messages or emails and that kind of stuff. But then I feel like you get so used to it that you forget that it's in that format. But this one does have a really big twist and I really don't want to spoil it. 
I wish we could, but I don't want to. This is a must-see. Like, I gave this a five-star. I gave this a five-star, too. I really love this movie. And the twist was insane in it. I mean, there was just, like... There was actually, like, a twist on top of a twist, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, just when you kind of think that, you know, things are solidified and you you see it as it is, it just completely turns. And, like, really kudos to them. And honestly, the the guy who's in this movie, uh, what's his name? He's in Harold and Kumar. Yeah. He was in the the Grudge remake, which was a one. It was so oh, bad. I hated that one. And I thought maybe like having a familiar actor would probably make that movie, you know, more manageable. But he did such a good job. He's a really good, like serious actor. You know, sometimes you just see people kind of like Harry Potter. It's hard not to see Daniel Radcliffe in anything but a wizard Mm -hmm. you know and so like i always just see this guy as he needs to be in like a stoner comedy but he did such a good job with the acting and uh i mean we had we kind of have a a soft spot for being parents i feel like my limitations and and maybe this sounds cliche but it's the honest truth i feel like when kids are harmed or when kids are you know at stake of death or injury and stuff it's really, really hard for me to watch. And so this one was really unsettling for me because it is just like his 16-year-old daughter and, you know, his... The movie starts out so lovey, too. It's like this mom and it's showing, like, the memories of them and the mom had died from, like, cancer or something. And so, um, you know, he's just like a single dad and he's trying to make the most of his life. And it's just like, oh, it's just... It really hits a couple soft spots but it's so good it is so dang good i would watch this one again oh yeah definitely going back to like your comedic thing isn't it crazy that a lot of actors who kind of started out in like either as a comedian or in more like comical movies are such amazing like serious actors like him um jordan peele even though he's a director or you have i mean he's an actor too and stuff but you have like um adam sandler like Adam Sandler and Kevin James, like so good. Adam Sandler's new movie, the basketball one. Oh yeah, so I forgot good. what it's called. We really liked that one, didn't we? But it's just crazy how you can take like these strictly comedian actors, comedian, comedic, that, comedic act. I'm like that sounded really weird. Comedic actors, and they're just so good in these type of roles. So I'm hoping he'll do a lot more like serious roles like this. Yeah, most definitely. It's uh, yeah, I, I, you know. We always talk about what type of movies or, you know, styles of podcasts we want to talk about. And uh, I've I've kind of hinted to Kenzie about doing movies with minimal settings because we've watched movies where it's just a guy in a 911 operator room and it never leaves that room the entire movie. And it was so good. And then we see a movie like this where it's just it's just on the computer screen or the screen of whatever electronic device he's using. And there's just so many movies out there, not so many, but there are movies out there with like extremely minimal settings and they just pull it off so well. And we should probably talk about movies like that at some point. Oh yeah, and, I can uh, think this, of several. This one no doubt would make it on there. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of like Nine Dead where they're like all in that one room and they have to try to figure out like yeah. stuff like that that just, or like open water. Me and Maddie just talked about that, how it's in one setting but you're like invested the entire time. Yeah. You're not bored. Well, in some movies will kind of cop out like it, like for example, the first Saw movie, it's kind of like nine dead. They're in that room the whole time, but then there's flashbacks and there's like other things More going happening. on. Yeah. And so it kind of takes you away from like the setting, but like if you're stuck in the setting, you are like claustrophobic. And sometimes by the time the movie ends, you just need to like leave the room you're in to like remind yourself you're not actually there or feeling the same feelings. 
Gotta go and, on a uh, one-mile walk. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like when the movie searching's over, the last thing you want to do is pick up your cell phone. You just need like go outside, take a deep breath, and just be like, well, that was intense. Yeah. Uh, the next movie is not Finding Nemo, and it's definitely not Lava Girl and Shark Boy, but it's Shark Bait. Ooh, ha ha. Side note, did you know when I was trying to find where like this on Letterboxd? There's another movie that's like a kid movie called Shark Bait. Oh, like, really? There's the kid shark bait or the shark bait shark bait. That happened. We were looking for a movie and you're like, oh, it's yes. on Disney Plus. And I was like, really? This movie's on Disney Plus? And ended up being Shook. the Shook. Ended up being the exact same title movie, but it was like a kid movie or something. Or the movie. There's a movie on this list we're going to talk about. But when I told Peyton, because I was making muffins and I'm like, hey, go get the movie started. It's called Chained. So he goes and types it in. I think it was on Tubi or something. It's like gangsters. It's playing like this, like, you know, in the hood music. And it's like all happy. And I'm like, this cannot be the movie. And then we realized it wasn't. I was like, oh, there's two chains on here. We start getting some like original titles. (laughs) Anyway, continue. Nope. Jordan Peele. Us. Original title. Get out. Anyway. Um, this is a pretty straightforward movie, and if you like shark movies, this one isn't bad. Um, I'll, I'll talk about some problems I have with it, but really it's just a group of friends that are just like being stupid, and they're, um, you know, they're just drinking, and they're trying to be all like cool in front of their girls, and they all decide to steal these jet skis. They kind of, uh, take the keys, and they just like go out, and they're having fun, and they end up playing chicken, where... You know, the two jet skis are coming on head on and they're like trying to figure out who's going to dodge at the last second. And when they do, they both go the same direction and they collide head on. So basically destroys both of the jet skis. One of them sinks and the other one is pretty much not working. And uh, one guy's very badly injured. um, So bad that I think uh, his bone is like sticking out of his uh, skin. And so he's bleeding and just like any other shark movie, blood draws in the shark. And you've got yourself a shark movie. And it's pretty much just like five or six people or something that are just, you know, not everybody can fit on the jet ski. So some of them are kind of, you know, hanging on to like the side of it just, you know, for buoyancy and stuff. And this movie did actually a pretty good job as far as keeping me entertained. It's just a good shark movie is so hard. You know, you take the originals like Jaws where... um They had the animatronic shark and the animatronic is cheesy too, but it's like lifelike cheesy where sometimes CGI is just overplayed. It's overused and it's really ridiculous. Sometimes sharks will defy the laws of physics and things like that. And it's just like you see stuff like that in movies like this. But uh, overall, it was pretty good. And yeah, and it just, you know, it, it definitely challenges you on uh, feeling like you're dehydrated, you know, don't drink the ocean water and the types of arguments that people get into when they're stressed and things like that. So, The thing shark movies need to realize is you don't have to show the shark as many times close up as they do. Like we don't need it. Like it's almost, Sometimes what you don't see is more scary. Yeah. Or like if you could just see like the top fin coming out of the water and you're just, it's like, it, you know, the shark's there. You know what a shark looks like. You don't need to see it up close every single time. Well, and when they first showed the shark, I was like, okay, like this is kind of, realistic like this is going to be manageable and then the more they did it the worse it got and so it's almost like they saved the most realistic factor for like the introduction to the shark and uh this movie kind of plays with your mind a little bit too um before the shark initially comes there's like so many different moments where 
you think it's going to happen because you know, you know, it's a shark movie, you know, the shark's going to come, but it kind of like tricks you out a couple times. And, you know, at some point you're just like, get on with it. This is definitely one of those cheesy, like, I feel like there's like really good shark movies like Jaws or Open Water and then, or even like um, 47 Meters Down. But then you have like the other group of shark movies that's just like Shark Night. It's like cheesy. Yeah. And so I think you kind of have to go into shark movies like that, like knowing they're probably going to be a little bit more on the cheesy side and you just kind of have to accept it and And, and side note, side note, uh, Shark Night was a really dumb movie, um, but I think what kept it entertaining for me is they used species of sharks that aren't commonly in movies like the cookie cutter shark or hammerheads, things like that, where it's always a great white shark. It's always, you know, the big, bad, popular one. And, you know, realistically, there are way more dangerous sharks out there. Um, And for example, uh, Into the Blue, it's a Paul Walker movie. It's got sharks in it. um, And it's more of a thriller because they find the drugs and stuff. But at one point, a tiger shark comes out and it like rips the back of the thigh of the girl. And like that was unsettling. Just that one scene alone caps out most shark movies because... You didn't really expect it or you got so used to them being around sharks and the sharks sharks were so docile that the one time that they attack seemed like, holy crap, that was crazy. Yeah, this movie was good. It was it, I mean, it's not OK. It was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't amazing. It was just good. I, I think I gave it like I don't remember what I gave it. Maybe a three. I don't remember. But I think Definitely. I did two and a half, but it's watched, not my I lowest might, one. I don't know. I might have given it a two and a half. If you watch this, though, you kind of have to just have an open mind and expect a cheesy movie. This is kind of one if you don't really have anything to watch and you just want to throw something on that you don't really have to think too hard about. This is definitely a good one for that. But there are better shark movies out there. But I do like the concept with, like, the jet skis instead of, like, the traditional, like, people are stranded at sea or there's a boat or something, you know? It's, like, jet skis. like. Crazy, but there were some dumb decisions made in this, which I don't want to spoil anything, but like mainly the end. I'm like, you waited all the way till then to do that. You could have done that way sooner, but. You know what Jaws did that made it so unique to a degree? Other than the animatronic shark, the whole movie isn't just them in the boat hunting the shark. It's them finding out that there is a shark. There's so many innocent people swimming and It's like the mayor trying to be, you know, like this business guy. He's money hungry. He wants the town to be popular in summertime while the sheriff's trying to get everybody to not do it. And it's like just hundreds of people swimming in the water and the shark like swims through it and stuff. There was so many like little minor things at the start that made the movie intense. And then they go hunting for it where it seems like you're really limited to the cast. There's not a lot of extras, you know, and I think that's something that like most shark movies fail to execute on. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think my favorite shark movie, I love Jaws, but I loved 47 Meters Down, and I think it's just because it is one of those movies where they're kind of trapped in that same location the entire time. So it adds, and then they're in a cage, adds that claustrophobic. They can't just swim up really fast. Well, then when they're, like, swimming up to the surface, you know, it's kind of intense because they're trying to, you know, not have the pressure, you know, hurt them or whatever, and... They finally make it to the surface and it ends up just them hallucinating their experience up to the surface. And that like that plot twist right there was really unique. I liked that. Oh, yeah, definitely. But yeah, like we said, if you want a cheesy shark movie, definitely go check this out. 
Next up is Orphan First Kill, which we have a whole spoiler episode on, so go listen to that if you haven't. Um, Or if you haven't watched this movie, definitely go watch it because it's so good. So we'll just do like a quick brief since we did do a whole episode on it. So this one is a prequel to Orphan, and it kind of shows like the origin of how she became to where she, how she got to where she was in the first movie, if that makes sense. I'm trying not to spoil just in case because I know there is people who have not listened to our spoiler review because they don't want it to be spoiled, so I don't want to spoil it here. Well, in the first, in the first movie, uh, the mom gets a call from like the asylum and he says basically who she is. And this kind of shows how she got from that asylum to her persona that she's in now. And And there's a lot of twists in this, like right in the middle of it. Like, I loved that. Yeah, you almost think it's going to be the same movie, just a prequel, and it's not. It's actually way different, but in a good way. Oh, yeah. The only thing that this movie failed on was just kind of a cheesy ending. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, they wanted to keep certain traditional values i guess in the movie so i can respect that but this one actually exceeded my expectations and i liked it a lot better than orphan i think i liked orphan more but it was one of like the first i don't know it was one of my i mean i saw it back when it came out in theaters and i think it was one of the first movies that really just like mind blew me so it like left an impression this one mind blew me too but That one definitely left an impression, and so I think it's just hard to beat, but this is very comparable. I almost feel like they're just the same. Like, it's just one giant movie to split up Mm -hmm. with many years in between. Yeah, we're kind of keeping this one vague because we really recently just did a full spoiler review on it, so definitely go check that out. Yeah, if you want to know more. And we spoil Orphan, like the original Orphan too. so if you haven't seen that, go watch that first. There you go. Um, the next one is In the Tall Grass. This is a Netflix original, so you can definitely find it on there. And I bypassed this movie quite a few times. That was never really that interesting to me. And I think the reason for that, I thought about this, Kenzie, and we watched, uh, what was it, Scary movie Stories to Tell in the Dark, which, mm-hmm. oh man, just like such a bad, good movie. <laughs> like, I loved it. I just, the the actress just ruined it. A single character ruined that movie for me. And Tell me a story. For some reason, In the Tall Grass came out. I, I It feels like around the same time. I could be wrong on that. And I think I was just so plagued by by that that I think I just assumed this was going to be like a kid movie or something and ended up actually being a really, really good movie. So, um, And actually, before I talk about the basic plot, is this a Stephen King movie? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a book. Or a book. Um, so after hearing a child scream for help in a cornfield or like a like a grassy field, this guy and his pregnant sister uh, go into the woods to go save them. And then it's like immediately when they're out of sight of each other, they cannot find each other. And so they're trying to follow each other's voice, but that seems to like not really get them anywhere. And so kind of one of those movies where it's a limited setting and... It really just keeps you kind of uh, intrigued about what's going on. And so uh, the kids like talking about how, you know, the dad is looking for him and, you know, they're, they're trying to find their way out. But ultimately, the sister ends up, you know, grouping up with the kid's dad and then like the brother ends up grouping with the kid. And then another character that they're ref- ref- referring to ends up coming into 
uh, the grassy field and it just gets really crazy from there. And, um, you know, there's kind of like an entity in the field. Uh, it's like this big boulder almost, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of has an alienish vibe to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, this movie is kind of confusing because it really messes with like time, like the fabric of time. And uh, I won't really go into more detail than that, but it kind of reminds me of Interstellar, if you've seen the end of that, where, like, the guy is basically, like, I don't know, he's, like, at the end, but he's at the beginning at the same time. And it's just it's just so crazy how it all kind of, like, pans out at the end. And it actually was a pretty refreshing movie. It ended up exceeding my expectations, and I really liked it. Even though it kind of jumps right into everything, it was slow for a while. Mm-hmm. But then when everything starts to pick up, it's intense and crazy. And Patrick Wilson did such an amazing job at playing, like, a sinister role, which I know he has in, like, Insidious. But I don't know. He is good at this kind of character where it's just, like, a maniac psycho guy. I want to say the guy who ends up coming into the field later is... Oh, I got to fact check this, but I want to say he plays Bucky off of uh, oh, he was. Winter we, Soldier. We checked it, remember? Yeah, so it's it's interesting to see the Bucky guy kind of come in and, uh, you know, he, he executes his role very well. And like, and like, once again, this whole movie, minimal plot, it's in this cornfield. There's like one open section of this field where it's got this rock. And then across the cornfield is a church. And it doesn't seem like it's really that important, but it's like everything kind of comes together. Things that seem seemingly intriguing, but then you forget about it ends up coming back and it really connects the dots. And uh, you end up, it's almost like this whole movie, just like everything spirals and then it all clicks and you just get worse and worse in terms of confusion before it actually starts to make sense. But and I, I kind of like movies like that that challenge your thinking. Yeah, that you can like end like we ended this movie and we were both so confused. I don't even think we really talked after it about it much. We were kind of just like, OK, went to bed. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we went to bed. I like sat and thought about it and then I finally connected the pieces and I'm like, oh my gosh, once you finally connect everything and you realize what's going on, it's like, duh, like that makes total sense. But I like, I love movies like that, that just make you think and like after you have to kind of like solve the problem, you know? Yeah. It's almost like those escape rooms. You're like trying to piece things together in order to come up with everything. For sure. But if you like don't, really appreciate time and how the past, the future and the present can all kind of coincide with what's happening now. Um, definitely not a movie for you. No, uh, it, it definitely it, it's got it's like horror elements. And there's a couple things that happen in the movie, too, that kind of left me like, what really was that? Um, but it's just like, you know, I think messing with time really is overwhelming to me personally and it's almost like it's it's gives me anxiety to think about i guess it's very you can tell it's very stephen king-esque like you can see like i feel like his adaptions you could watch it and be like this is stephen king exactly but yeah that one's really good and it's funny because this i've seen this every time we get on netflix it's like in the tall grass in the tall grass and i brought it up to peyton a few times i'm like we should watch this and he's like no like he said he wasn't into it and so even this time, so we do like our number generator and this one was drawn and he's like, ah, yeah. but then we watched it. We're like, oh my gosh, that was so good. I love it. I wish I would have read this book first, but then I'm like, would the book be really confusing because you're not seeing everything 
unfold. You're like reading about it. I was I was really having a hard time describing really back there a second ago and just like deja vu. That's probably like the real word to sum it all together. A lot of deja vu going on. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but this is a good one. You should go check it out if you haven't. Okay, next up is Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> Peyton, stop it. You loved it. I did not. <laughs> Going this back is my to least the favorite late movie. 80s, mid to late 80s. I have heard about this for so long, but I've never watched it. I think every time that we tried to go watch it, it wasn't on any streaming services, and it finally was. I'm like, we have to watch this. I didn't realize before like we watched that it was a musical. And so I was, like, pleasantly surprised. I'm like, I love this. I wanted to get up and, like, sing and dance. And after, I kept singing the Little Shop of Horrors song. I think the musical aspect, which you thought was the reason why I didn't like it, was the only thing that made it manageable. Um, otherwise, I hated the plot. The All the acting was terrible. And it just it was just cheesy. It really was. And, like, not cheesy like Killer Clowns cheesy. Like, that movie was a comedy horror and it had way more value to me than this movie did. This one, honestly, maybe I just expected too much from it because it's a big title movie. Like, it's something that everybody has heard of, and I just did not like it. It did not deliver at all. There was a lot of well-known actors in this, too. I feel like every few minutes we're like, oh my gosh, it's that guy, and he's so young. I'm sure most people know this movie, but we'll just do a quick what it's about. So there's Seymour, and he works at a flower shop on Skid Row, and then he has a crush on his fellow co-worker, Audrey, and then he ends up finding this mysterious plant, and he calls it Audrey 2, but the plant seems to have a craving for blood and soon begins to sing for its supper. So it's like he has to feed it people, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger, and then it's this huge, giant... Well, he's, like, like feeding it with his own blood at first. It's like he, like, cuts his finger, and yeah. he puts the finger in its mouth, and it gets bigger and bigger each and time. It gets more greedy as and, time goes on. And the... I'm sorry, I'll let you explain this. Oh, no, I, you're good. Well, yeah. I was just saying the the shop that they work for, the flower shop doesn't seem to be doing well. It's probably on its way out of business. And then suddenly when he brings this plant in, business is just booming. So it's like their boss is all about it. He's like, oh, keep this thing growing. He ends up getting like the main character gets uh, more popular as a result of the plant. So it's like he's really feeding into it too because it's making his life better. But then the plant, as it gets bigger and bigger, can start talking and its needs are higher and starts to exploit the situation. And it's like on paper, I love it. I really do. I think it's just the time frame that it's set in. It's hard for me to watch, like, even, like, early 90s stuff, unless it's stuff I grew up with. Like, earlier movies, it's kind of hard just because they are a little bit more cheesy. Like, the acting. I mean, not everything, but stuff like this. And I think, like, like Audrey's accent, you know? It's just very over the top. Um, who did we compare it to? Like, Tiffany off Child's Play or... Um, Miss Hannigan on Annie. No, not Miss Hannigan. It would be the girl on Annie, like the original Annie with, she's like the blonde hair girl that's with like the brother rooster. Just like that over the top, like super high pitch voice that can come off really cheesy. But I don't know. I loved it. I love Rick Moranis. And yeah, it was just fun. I just, it was just a fun movie. It'd be fun to see this on Broadway. I That's probably where it has the most value. Yeah. I don't think it's a good movie, but it would probably be decent to see live. What did you give this? I think I gave this a two. 
I give it a four. I loved it. I wanted to give it lower, but I think there was a certain classic to it that you know kept it. It kept me at least optimistic about my vote. But it's it's a two to me. Yeah. And uh, lame. And that's to say that what else was on this list that I didn't like so much? Sharkbait. I think I gave like a two and a half. So. Yeah. That's the lowest one I have Which on the funny. list here. funny. I feel like everything on this list, I either gave like a three and a half or higher, except the very last one. It's funny that you have several on this list that you kind of knocked down. Honestly, and I really appreciate the classics. I grew up with them. The only movie that was made in the 80s that was probably worse than this one is, uh, is it Sleepaway Camp? Oh, yeah. That one's just like a one to me. It's just, it's so hard to finish. I liked it. And I'll even put like the original Friday the 13th on there too. Just because, well, just because it took like three movies for the iconic Jason even to like become a thing. Everybody talks about the classic. Well, the classic's like the third movie. Not really the first, not really the second. It's like Hockey Mask comes in far later than people actually think. But I do love the 80s and the late 70s uh, horror movies and just, like, I don't know. I like, think I just, it is better than Sleepaway Camp, though. I think I just didn't see a lot of those ones besides, like, It miniseries and stuff like that. So, like, this is, like, last year and this year is, like, the year that I am going back and watching all the classics. And I feel like some of those hit different depending on the time frame that you watch them. If you grew up watching stuff like that, like, I feel like people have, like, a huge appreciation for them. And it's kind of like me with the It miniseries. I freaking love it, but somebody now could watch it that's never seen it, and they'd be like, this is cheesy. This is garbage. I don't know. I like I like a lot of the older stuff, like The Thing we just watched not too long ago. That was good. The Halloween movies, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, I had never seen until yeah. this year. Like, we get it. They're going to be cheesy because they did the best they could with technology at the time it's like you know you have to respect the classics people but are gonna little shop little shop of horrors it's not good people are gonna look back on like movies that come out now like years down the road and be like that is the cheesiest thing ever look at those graphics horrible um going back to sleepaway camp though it really wasn't that great of a movie but i did like it in a way i don't know why like the deaths were so cheesy but i think maybe it was just the ending and how shocked i was and how like i wasn't like shocked but i was like unsettled just the way that she's she he is he is standing there like breathing all heavily and like turned weird like it was just like oh yeah gotta appreciate the classics all right next one on the list is fear inc and basically it's like this horror junkie his name's joe he's rich he seems to be bored out of his mind by all the cliche horror stuff and so he runs into a guy who gives him a card that says uh, fear ink on it and he ends up calling it just to see what's going on and they kind of like hang up on him and they don't really say anything and then it ends up becoming like a group of people come to his house and uh, they're like trying to kill him. Now, at the same time, he's got his friends there and his friends is, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the girl next door, but it's the camera kid on that movie. No, um, he's the cameraman. Oh, cameraman. And yeah, it's like when these people come in like and invade the house, every single character in this movie feels like it's actually happening, that they're going to die. And the guy, the main character, Joe, He's just having a ball with it. He just feels like it's all acted and it's supposed to be this like 
uh, gag, and so he's like playing along with it. And it was very funny and very refreshing. I actually loved it. Um, the dude was just hilarious the whole time. And uh, just like the way that he could like talk his friends into playing along. And then all of a sudden like something happens and they like die. And he's like, oh, that was a good one, you know, and he's just playing along with it. But uh, this movie could have been a five for me. But uh, scary movies or anything in the horror genre, like any movie, the whole ending and outro of a movie is so crucial to deliver. And this movie did not do that. It has a just a terrible ending. But all the way up to that, it was just solid. It was like really its own type of like spoof of a horror movie, in my opinion. It kind of reminded me of Scream, how it's like an homage to different horror movies. That's what this is, but like more on like the horror comedy side. It's like they just throw in like little like bits and pieces of different movies. Like there's a spot where they're like, saw. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, what does he God, what does he say at the end? That's so funny. Um, was it his like quote? Yeah. Or something. Oh, I don't remember what it was. It was like his favorite horror movie or something. Yeah, he was like, are they blanking us or something? And it's like the name of the movie when he. Yeah, when he says it, I don't but what the movie was. it was just it was just funny. The guy was comical. And I don't really think I went into this movie thinking that it was going to be a horror comedy. So when it was funny, I was like, oh, this is great. And it just kind of caught me off guard. But the main guy made this whole movie. If it wasn't for him, I don't think I'd like it as much. But he was so like naturally funny. It wasn't like try hard funny. He was just natural. There is a minor character in this movie that's pretty notable. And it's the guy who plays Ham off of the Sandlot. Yes. I love him. You're killing me, Smalls. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think he was listed in the actual, like, cast on IMDb, because I was looking on there, and he's not on there. Hmm. He was, like, uncredited. I'm like, why is he uncredited? He was in it, like, probably he 10 was a decent minutes amount. total, 15. But, no, probably less than that. He probably has, like, four to five minutes of actual screen time, but... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a horror comedy, no doubt, and, uh... This one exceeded my expectations big time. Probably a four. This is definitely one that you have to see. Like, you have to go watch this. This and Searching, probably on this. Okay, we have a bunch on this list that are actually really good. Definitely go check this out. Shout out to my friend Nina who recommended this because I like I was dying the whole time. I'm like, this is so funny. But yeah, moving on to Chained, not the rap style chained <laughs> what was it i don't know we made it like three minutes into the movie before we imagine realized. if we would have watched that whole movie I and know, we're right? like this is not horror like what <laughs> but this one is about a serial killer and he kidnaps this young boy who's probably like nine or ten and he murders his mother and then he raises him to be his accomplice. And then after years in captivity, which I don't... How old do you think he was by that point? Probably. He was probably in his early 20s. The boy must choose between escaping or following in his captor's footprints. So the, so the guy is kind of trying to manipulate him and get him to, like, become a serial killer with him. And he's trying to, like, groom him in a way. Yeah. Would you consider that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and the whole time he's chained up, hence the name. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he wants to start instilling trust in the guy so he's like you know i'm gonna start unchaining you and you know we're gonna work on some stuff and uh and it's like the patience of this kid is just insane yeah this one has some good twists too 
Like, I love movies with a twist. I mean, it's not like an insane one, but it was pretty dang good. And the main actor, both of the main actors, the guy, the captor and the boy were really good. Like, very believable. Like, even the kid who was held captive, like, just his... He looked malnourished, yeah. like, but, like, naturally, like, almost like they didn't really intend to that. I don't know. He just, like, he had the right, like, fit and persona to be in that role. Mm-hmm. And just seeing, like, how things played out and how he, like, reacted to things and he'd be, like, nervous or... It just was very realistic. Like, it felt real. But I definitely don't want to give anything away on this. This one is really good. Uh, If you are okay with, like, blood and gore and, like, there is, like some sexual assault in this so i mean it not a crazy time well the the serial killer specifically kills women um he doesn't bring any dudes in the only dude that he ever brought into his house is the one that he's raising and he just happened to be with his mom when his mom was captive but yeah just like you know women that are young and uh just like he's gonna like sleep with them and then then they're all murdered and stuff so he has a very specific target yeah yeah this one is crazy I really liked it, and there's not much to say because, like, like I said, everything is spoiler. If I go any more deep into it, so definitely go check this one out, especially if you're into kind of the true crime genre. This kind of fits into there. Perfect. Next one is based on a book that you actually just finished reading, and it's called The Ruins. I told Peyton, I'm like, we cannot watch The Ruins until I finish reading it, and it took me kind of a while to get through it, just because I got into reading and then I kind of stopped for a minute. But this has been on, like, Tubi or Hulu or one of those streaming services forever. And as soon as I finished the book, I'm like, we're watching this tonight. They took it off. So pissed. (laughs) So there's these, uh, there's a group of Americans and they're kind of in, like, you know, a resort uh, in Mexico. And the movie kind of starts out with them talking about how the entire time that they spent in Mexico, they're just partying and so they run into a german guy who's there at the pool with them and he said oh yeah i have a friend who's doing an archaeology archaeological archaeological i don't know they're visiting an archaeological dig he's an archaeologist archaeologist anyway and uh he's he's digging into a mayan pyramid that's unmapped and they're like whoa well we were talking about you know, how we wanted an authentic Mexico experience. And he's like, well, you can come with us. And they're like, oh, like, that'd be cool because it's not like a tourist attraction. It's like an actual, I mean, they're all actual, but it's like one that they wouldn't have to be around a ton of other tourists taking pictures. They kind of get their own private kind of situation. Kind of off the grid. mm Mm-hmm. So uh, they end up going, and when they find the the pyramid, they kind of make it pretty much all the way up to the actual pyramid. And as soon as they touch the pyramid itself, some kind of modern day ish dressed Mayans come out of the woods, and they're trying to they're like basically just screaming at them. And uh, immediately they they shoot one of the one of the German guy's friends and they kind of like force them up to the top of the the pyramid and they just leave them up there. So like the, the Mayans that are all native are all kind of surrounding the pyramid. They're at like the jungle line and uh, the people are just stuck at the very top of the pyramid. So they, there is a camp that's based up there and they end up thinking that maybe one of the, like the archeologists that was supposed to be there was maybe inside of the, the pyramid so they kind of go into it and they don't really find him and it's just kind of eerie like i don't really understand what's going on and then come to find that this whole pyramid is covered in plants 
and the plants are alive. Plot twist. And the whole movie is about this, so like, I don't know, I feel like it's not really a big spoiler, but that's basically what's happening. The plants are alive, they're like killing them, and the, these Mayans are treating it like it's uh, like a parasite or like a disease or something, so they keep like kind of blessing the land around the Mayan temple, and they're kind of like quarantined, and so these people are just kind of like dealing with the effects of of these plants that are trying to kill them. And it sounds cheesy, but actually it, it delivered pretty well uh, for the most part. The only thing really I think you could chime in is every character in the book is the opposite than they were in the book mm-hmm. or in the movie. Yeah. So one of the guys is searching for his brother. So that's kind of a big reason that he went. And so with the tents up there, he's assuming that's his brother because his brother was going to be part of this archaeological dig. So going into this, I had read the book. So I'm like, okay, I already know everything that's going to happen. But everything was completely opposite in the movie. So if you watch the movie first, definitely go read the book still because it's completely opposite. It ends different. Characters, situations come to play differently. But I found out it's because, so the writer of the book helped direct the movie as well. But they bought the rights to the movie before the book was even released. So he told him, like, let's... He told one of the directors, let's kind of change things up just so like people will still read the book and it's not going to be spoiled. So literally every single character plays out differently. Like there is similarities, but... It's canon. They're yeah. just like changing it up so it's refreshing and it gives you a reason to read the book. Yeah. Uh, which uh, ironically would... Any good movie would give you a reason to read the book, right? Like Twilight movie versus Twilight book. You want it to be canon, but it's almost like he did it on opposite on purpose to give you almost like a refreshing perspective of it. Yeah, well, it's like if somebody reads Twilight, they want to go watch the movie and have it play out the exact way to see how like things that play out in your mind play out on the screen. And that's kind of how I wanted this to be. I wanted it to be like, I want to see how this happens and how they do this. But it was kind of refreshing that they did change it up because it gave it a whole different experience. I do like the book way more. I think Peyton should read the book. Maybe he will. I don't know. But I just feel like the book gives way more description, obviously. And like the movie was a little bit more rushed and like the gore in the book is way more intense than the movie. It's a pretty thick book too, isn't it? Like how many pages oh, yeah. was it? Um, it was like 500. Yeah. So I mean pretty pretty decent. It was like a book. smaller, it was like a 500 page book, but it was like a smaller like fat book. One thing I liked about this movie and this is a weird example, but it kind of reminded me of in The Hunger Games, there's like the they're not mocking jays, they're like the hybrid knockoffs of them i think they're like jabber jays or something but they can like take what people say and they'll like say it back like these plants have like well i don't think they're all the same plant maybe they are but some of them have these like little bell-shaped flowers that are like really pretty and they like almost like reflect what you're saying and Mm -hmm. they uh, like mimic it back but in a more sinister way yeah they kind of like mess with people's minds to think a situation's happening that isn't happening like for example they hear a cell phone go off inside the the pyramid so they go inside of it and then when they finally get up to where the cell phone would be the cell phone's dead it's been dead for a very long time but the plants are registering the sound of the cell phone and they keep playing it back. It's like they're trying to lure them down into there. Yeah, I thought that was a really creative twist. So, I mean, and that's that's just one of many things that they do um, to kind of, you know, be to make a plant 
as deadly as it could be, I guess. So, but I thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah. I wish we got a little more background on the plants and like how it came to be. And yeah, it is like almost like a virus because the one girl at the very beginning, this is not a spoiler or anything, but she like takes the plant and chucks it at the people who are trying to get them to go up the hill and it hits this little boy and then they instantly like point their guns at him and they're screaming and they end up killing him. Yeah, he's just like a little kid. Well, and there's a big language barrier. They, they try speaking Spanish to the Mayans, but the Mayans don't understand what they're saying. And they're speaking like, you know, their actual dialect. So like they're just basically just screaming in frustration mm-hmm. at each other. You know what I was telling you the other when we watched this? I said, it's so weird because in the book, I envisioned a hill and they're on the side of this hill. But I'm like, I don't know why I envisioned it that way. But when I like read stuff after, that's actually how it is in the book. It's not like a Mayan, like a pyramid. It is a hill that they're on, but the director was like, can we make it more like this to be more visually appealing Interesting. in a movie? Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of different locations in the book. Like it's a hill in the book with the um, archaeologist dig. Yeah, I feel like if we ever went to Mexico and went to go visit pyramids, like that would be something I would just totally think of and be like, ah, oh, crap, I don't want to touch this thing. <laughs> I know, right? We're never going to look at plants the same. Yeah, but this one is very, very good, and I highly recommend reading the book and watching the movie. Sweet. And the last one? The last one is the crappiest one. No, it's not. This one's still better than Little Shop of Horrors. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't in a huge movie mood when we were watching this. I literally spent most of my time on my phone when we watched this because I'm like, I am so bored. I am so cheesed out. Like, this reminded me of an episode of, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Which, no hate to that because I freaking love Are You Afraid of the Dark, but it felt like just a cheesy Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, but, like, adult. This one's called Art of the Dead. It's about a guy who purchases a collection of seven paintings to hang in his wealthy estate, and he has no idea what's about to happen to his family. And so each painting represents one of the each seven deadliest sins. And each family member kind of takes on that sin and it like... Well, each, each family member has a painting like in their room because mm-hmm. they don't know where to put the paintings. They're like, where do we even put these? So they like, yeah, like the daughter has one and then the son has one. Like, yeah, you're right. They do take on the... I think that's why they take on a very specific attribute of the deadliest sins. Yeah. And it just kind of turns them into like this sinister being almost. I don't know. You might have to go into more detail on it. I literally kind of zoned out a lot. I'm actually not familiar with the seven deadly sins, but um, obviously the obvious ones, they're the big ones, are are in there. And uh, I don't know. I just kind of felt like this movie was made by a college student who had really good filming equipment. It just felt like low budget, but like at a high grade. Yeah. The visuals were great. The visuals were good. And each individual actor wasn't a bad actor. But like when things, it seemed like when something important was happening, like a death or something, that is like when the total cheese factor came out. And honestly, too, uh, one of the seven deadly sins, which mind you, I want to say it's lust. Um, The only one I know is gluttony. And that scene was pretty intense with the guy with the water. Right. I got to see if it's how what it's printed yeah lust that's that's what it is the lust is in the main in the parents bedroom and lust takes on into the mom 
in the whole movie, I don't even know how to even say this like in a podcast, but she's just like horny the whole time. And it's almost like part of me thinks that they made a movie where it's basically just like a porno. And then they made a movie around that porno that ended up being this movie. Like, I don't know. It just it was like really hard to watch. And it was just kind of obnoxious at times. And uh yeah, I don't know. It's just like everybody was just having sex the entire time in this movie. So guess we saved the best for last, right? You know, season two, more sexual <laughs> content. But like, that's like, I was like the whole time in my mind, I'm just thinking, oh, it's like, it's, it's almost like this is a really good college film. And then it's like, there's just so much sex happening all the time. And so much cheesy stuff happening that it kind of just took me out. I was like, okay, this is weird. Like this the, is over the top. The, de- the deaths were over the top. They were cheesy. But at the same time, they were like really gruesome. It's like they did maximum like blood and gut effort on every single type of death that could happen in this movie. But seriously, it was like death, sex, death, sex, death, sex. It was just like that back and forth the entire freaking time. And uh, the movie had so much potential. I really feel like it could have been so much better. And it it really like there were points where I was like, oh, I'm a four. Oh, this is now a three. And then I'm like, oh, it's a four. And then by the end of it, I'm like, all right, this is a, a two. Like this was just pretty much unwatchable. And I don't, I don't know. I just like, I just kind of feel like I'm in this roulette, this carousel of feelings about this movie and everything that was happening inside of it. And I don't know. You know what? Like B movies like this, like low budget movies or like lesser known movies. Like there's some that are really good. Like what's the one that we watched? Murder Party. Like a lot of people probably would hate that, but like we loved it because it was so simple. And even though it had a little bit of cheese and not the greatest plot and everything like it was good but I feel like this is kind of like the opposite end where it has like a little bit higher quality visuals it's just a high quality bad movie you know it's just like it just doesn't hit the spot it almost seemed like like the actors were all really good until something extravagant was happening and then it just felt like they were like like they just were acting for the first time in their lives. Like they were just like not believable. And then all of a sudden something would happen. Somebody would die. And then they were like good actors again. It was just, it's just, I don't know. Like it just really mentally screwed with me in this movie and really toys with your emotions, which I normally would enjoy, but it didn't do it in the right way. I was just kind of like, like, I think I just like held on for dear life to want more from it. And it just like kept on like ripping that from me. And so I don't know. Glad I saw it. It, it, it was definitely intriguing. It's definitely its own type of movie, um, but it's just, it's not good. If they could take this movie and put it into, like, a more, I don't know, if they could take this and put it in, like, a higher quality movie with better actors, kind of fix the storyline a little bit, make it a little bit more dark. Like, I like the concept of it. I like the concept of, like, the paintings and each one of them taking on that painting. I just think they could have executed it a little bit better. I don't even think it goes into each seven deadly sin too. I'm just looking at this on Google Images and lust is in there. Gluttony's in there for a second. Envy's a big one in there. I don't think sloth is. Um, what is sloth? It it shows a bed. I'm assuming it's like oversleeping, being lazy. Oh. Uh, greed was in there. Um... I don't think Wrath, Wrath was probably like all of them combined, I guess. But they said the most deadly one was Pride. Pride's the one with the lion and the and the painting. 
I hardly paid attention, honestly. I just remember seeing that, like, ghostly guy, and every time he popped up on the screen, he was so cheesy. Oh, yeah, he was, like, a, like, a a father or something that was no longer active, and then all of a sudden he learns that the paintings are nearby, so he kind of goes, like, on this full tangent of, like, trying to find everything, and it was like, I don't even know. It's just, once again, it's like, you know, when something serious wasn't happening, everybody was believable. And then once it was like serious and like a climax of something was happening, it was just like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> everybody sucks. Yeah. So anyway, wouldn't recommend it. No. But but everything else on this list, definitely go and watch it because everything, this is a good solid list of movies. Like I enjoyed all of these. Honestly, everything that we've watched in 2022 really has been good. There's been maybe like a few. I think we're on 43 movies for the year, which really isn't a lot. We need to like step up our game. We're getting better. But everything that we've watched has been really freaking good. Like this is a good year of movies for us. It is, no doubt. But we will have where you can find all of these on our Instagram and definitely go check them out. Trying to think of a cool question of the week that we could ask what's something good that you've watched lately go let's make like a recommendation list because we need some new movies just kidding i always say that but we have like 150 on our watch list Mm. like we're never gonna have that at zero because i keep like adding to it constantly there we go but anyway thanks for being here we'll be back next week and next week is officially october whoa spooky season so we're gonna have some fun like halloween type movies themed movies or we're gonna have some well i guess yeah we're gonna have some fun halloween themed episodes and i'm really excited there we go any last words oh i was gonna say something but i don't remember so lame cue outro music 